0: This sermon is brought to you by Shattered State Chi Alpha. As you listen, we hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you in your walk. Please visit our website in the information below and drop us a message. We would love to hear from you. So in case you guys didn't know, we went to a retreat this last weekend. Um, I'll speak more about it uh, in my sermon. But I wanted to give some of the students who went an opportunity to share with you guys how awesome it was and what impact they took back from it. And so they're each going to share, like, two minutes. Go.
1: I'm not a jerk.
0: Okay, seriously. The
2: retreat was actually really cool. Um, we had a missionary that came that was from, what? Up closer? We had a missionary that came um, that had been literally all over the place. Um, but his message to us at that moment, wh- what? Stop talking to me. His message at that moment was um, about worldview, about the fact that we have to, one, establish our own worldview as Christians. We have to decide the important aspects of what it is that we believe if we choose to say that we stand on a biblical viewpoint, which was really cool. It helped, you know, distinguish um, what he what he called core issues and peripheral issues, um, things that are salvation critical, things that are of the most importance. And then he moved on to say how important it is to not only have your worldview, structured, but to also be being sensitive to other worldviews. So not just saying like, you're wrong because my worldview says you're wrong, but being able to step behind the lens that they see through so that you can understand where they're coming from so that you can address it better. Um, so it, it was just really cool learning how to, um, learning how to open your eyes in a different way so that you can reach people for God better. And so that was probably the biggest thing I took from it.
1: All right. Ruben summed up the whole weekend. Um, it was all about worldview. So uh, the main thing that I really took from it was how I'm viewing other people, not just like um pretty much how he said, like through my own worldview, but like biblically. And then he talked a lot about uh if they believe, like if everybody else believes that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and was resurrected, that, like, the small things don't matter. So a lot about, like, choosing your battles. So, like, if somebody doesn't eat meat because they don't believe that they'll be pure anymore, like, does that really matter in the scheme of things if they truly believe that Christ died and rose again? Um, So that was a lot of what I took from that. And then, um, yeah, just kind of choosing your battles and knowing what you believe and standing firm in that.
2: So now what do I say? Because both y'all took it, <laughs> just kidding, but uh, yeah, kind of like echoing what Kayla said, um how keeping the center the center, that's just kind of what hit me really hard, uh just realizing for uh to just look at with the worldview and biblically and all that fun stuff, so yeah.
1: Yeah, that that was definitely one of the coolest parts. Like they kinda covered everything that was spoken about, but it was really cool because we gotta interact with other students. Um it was just the fellowship was different than what we're used to. So getting to meet other fellow Christians and just seeing the world view on it. I mean it's it's awesome. Um Yeah. If you guys ever get a chance to go, I highly recommend it. It, when I first heard about it, I was kind of iffy. Even years ago, I was like, "Man, I don't know if I should go." And I've noticed that when I started going to things, it's always totally worth it. So keep that in mind next time something comes up. Just give it a shot, and go to the World's Mission Summit.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. Well. What? Okay. All right, um, well, since a lot of the points were taken, what right. I learned, <laughs> <laughs> what, <keep> okay, <laughs> well anyways, what I learned wasn't necessarily from Manny, it was from the other, um, student, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, they can't, okay, all right, all right, it was from the other students, and, <laughs> okay, Don't make me laugh. (laughs) I can't. Okay. All right. What I learned from the other students, um, not necessarily necessarily from Nanny, was the importance of being joyful. And, uh, you know, I just saw a lot of them who were just really joyful, and the spirit really, you know, flows through them with an open and joyful spirit. And so, you know, it was a different perspective for me. And so that's what I got from it is, you know, to stay joyful and, Yeah, so. Give it
0: up for Chris. Chris. (laughs) You're so funny. You're funny. Okay. I love the UW retreat. I love going and teaming up with UW. Uh, If you guys don't know, University of Wyoming director Derek um, actually. Guyna got kind of got called into um, missions here in Shadron. Um, he was attending our Alpha here like 20 years ago. He's old. Don't tell him I said that. He's not that old. But he got called into missions when he was in school here, went to seminary school, graduated, tried to become a youth pastor, realized he just wanted to go back and do Chi Alpha at the time. And so he got called to University of Wyoming, and he's been the co-director there for 16 years, I think, is what he said. Um, they're a great group of guys and, and uh, really enjoy meeting with them. There was like, what, 50 total students, 50, 60 total students at this retreat. around right there, 50, 50, 60, I don't know. There was quite a few. There was good. It was a lot of fun. Um, every year we go and we uh, we go and watch the Husker game on the Saturday at... Um, Buffalo Wild Wings and uh, last year we went back to the meeting kind of upset because if you remember Nebraska losing to Illinois in the last three seconds this year we went back happy because Nebraska actually won and it didn't ruin our retreat just kidding that night ruined my retreat okay sounds good I don't know what you're talking about but cool oh I didn't even watch the game. Um. So, Manny, uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Prabhuddhist? Prab Prabudus, Say it. Prabudus, Prabudus. Uh, he was born in India. He was our speaker. Um, he was talking about our worldview. And if anybody on the face of this earth has authority to talk about worldview, it's Manny. So, Manny was, uh, born in India. He was a missionary to Madagascar, a missionary to France. His wife is from Gillette, Wyoming, and he speaks at least four different languages. And he is currently raising support to go back to France with his wife and his family. And uh, so what do you think? Can you, I mean, just take a second and think of what his worldview would look like compared to yours. He was born in India, was a missionary to Madagascar and France, and he has a wife from Casper, Wyoming, or Gillette, Wyoming, So think about that just for a split second. How would his worldview differ from your worldview being born wherever you were born? Um. So they kind of talked about it a little bit. One of the main points I got out of the retreat was keep the center the center. And the center is salvation through Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ did on the cross and the fact that Jesus Christ rose again, him rising again and and, uh Death not keeping him in the grave is honestly just as important, if not more important to us as Christians, as his crucifixion. Because many people were crucified. But Jesus was, rose on the third day. And that is huge. And so how do we interpret um, that piece of information? How do we look at it? And how do we make sure that we're looking at it without different lenses tainting that image? How do we look at our relationship with Christ without taking on the baggage of our worldview. Because your worldview is going to differ from somebody who's born in India, somebody born in Africa, somebody born in China. Your worldview is going to be significantly different depending on where you were born and raised. And so you can't look at the gospel through your worldview because the gospel is the gospel. It is the same no matter where you were born. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the same no matter where on earth you were born. And so what differences do we have as Christians who are raised in America compared to a Christian raised in China, where in China your faith can get you murdered and killed and persecuted hardcore, compared to in America where up until recently the worst thing being a Christian really ever got anybody was teased because you had high standards for yourself. And so the difference, your difference is going to, uh, your world view is going to look a lot different than theirs. <clears throat> See, in, in our world now, in the last, what, ten years? In the last ten years, our world, and specifically in America, and honestly, a, a, a lot of different places worldwide, you can have any piece of information at your fingertips, you literally pull out your phone, you can you can actually literally say the command, and you can have any piece of information pop up. And it's it takes Google like a half of a second to come up with like 43 trillion responses to your question. And so growing up in that environment, just even in America, is gonna differ from somebody who was born and raised 60 years ago when when I had to do book reports in high school. I know it wasn't that long ago, but when I was doing book reports in high school, there wasn't really internet. Like, I mean, there was Google and stuff, but it wasn't the way it is now. And so we still, our teachers, still primarily went off of um, books and dictionaries and encyclopedias and all of the ancient stuff that you guys probably don't use anymore. And so when we went, when I got into college, all of our tests were in person. Um, all of our assignments were handed in on paper We didn't do anything electronically, even in college at Colorado State in 2005. I know that doesn't seem like that long ago, but now, even just by the time I graduated from Shadron, almost every single assignment was handed in online. And I know, like, like, cheating for you guys is a lot harder to do now than it was for my generation, because I could find something and copy it word for word, and the chances of my teacher finding it were pretty slim. But you guys copy something word for word, your teacher can take your entire assignment, copy it, and paste it into Google, and it will search it, and it will find different things that have keywords that are a lot of the like. And so you guys can't even cheat on assignments the way that I could. And so now, for you guys, because your information is found so quickly, it's not necessarily that you have more free time, because you find different ways to spend your time, than I would have when I was first starting college. And so in, in reality, you guys, not that you do have more free time because things change a little bit, but you do have more free time than maybe I would have back then when I was in college. Because I had to go to the library and look in books to find all of my answers. You guys can just Google it. I know I'm not saying that's a positive or a negative. And so don't think I'm trying to talk down on you because you guys have more free time, but That is something that comes with having information so readily available. And so having that ability, having that free time in order to do that stuff, is going to change your guys' worldview, and it's going to be significantly different than even your parents' worldview. You following me? Getting a couple blank stares. So your worldview can change even in the country you live in, depending on which decade you were born in. And so how do we remove even that worldview from our interpretation of scripture and how we look at the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we need to be taking, we need to be taking our worldview and looking at it through the lens of Jesus and the lens of scripture and form our worldview through that. Not take Jesus and look at him through the worldview And change our opinion on Jesus based on our worldview. I said that wrong, but you get what I'm saying. You can't look at your, or we need to look at our worldview through the lens of Jesus Christ and through the lens of scripture and determine our worldview based off of what we know as truth from the Bible, not take Jesus and look at Jesus through our worldview and decide what we believe about scripture based on what we have learned growing up. You guys following me now, since I worded it wrong the first time? A simpler way to put it is, how we see the world should be based on the truth we learn in Scripture, and not whether our Scripture is true based on our beliefs we got from the world. Does that make sense? Matthew six thirty-one through 34. This isn't going to be the main Scripture of the day, but if you want to turn turn, it will be up on the board also. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. Jesus is speaking here, okay? Jesus says, so do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? Or what shall I drink? Or what shall we wear? Or what car will I own? Or what job will I get after college? Or what will everyone think of me? Or what will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? Or what will people do when they find out it's true? <laughs> glad there was like four of you following So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When we set out for the day, how often have we set out with the exact opposite viewpoint as what this is telling us? This is telling us you need to not worry about these things. And I know I was joking with the few things that I added in there, but what they worried about back then is going to look different because of your worldview than what you're worrying about. But the message is still the same. Jesus is saying, don't worry about these things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. In our world, in America today, we're not going to worry about what we eat because you guys all have meal plans or McDonald's, you can buy a cheeseburger for $1.30 or whatever it is, and you make enough money to be able to afford it. Or, you know, there's government programs to be able to help you to eat. Or So you're not going to be worried about what food you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, but I would say you guys do worry about what you're going to wear. Not in the sense that you don't have clothing, but you worry about what you're going to put on for the day. Um, we worry about what car we're going to buy. How expensive of a car do I want to buy? What's the most expensive car that I can possibly afford? We think about what job you're going to get after college. What career are you going to go go into? Is the career you're going to go into going to make you enough money so that you can live the way you want to live financially? These are things that we worry about in America. I'm not talking about you guys as Christians, but I'm talking about Americans. And what will people think of me? That is one of the biggest things we worry about. And this does apply as Christians specifically. As Christians in America, we often think, what will people think of me if, if I go up to him and I share the gospel with him? What's he going to do? What are my friends going to do when I talk about Jesus freely with them? Do I need to hide my faith around my own friends so that they'll stay my friends? I mean, these are things that we do worry about. And then Jesus is continuing to say, for the pagans run after all these things. So if, he, if these are things that the, that the world worries about, you need to not be worrying about it, basically. If the world, world worries about how much money they're going to make, you better not be worrying about that. If the world's worrying about how expensive of a car they can buy, you as Christians should not be worrying about that. For the pagans worry of all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel type thing. A lot of times what happens is when we seek after the kingdom of God first, these things will be given to us, not in the sense that we're going to have a nice car and we're going to have everything taken care of, but you're going to start realizing what's important and what God is going to take care of is going to be enough. When you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Because tomorrow will worry about itself each day, has enough trouble of its own. I mean, I can't count how many times I've worried about so much just junk. I mean, just wake up in the morning, stressed out, worrying and completely just going about your day, and it seems like every little thing that goes wrong is magnified because you started out the day already stressed, already worrying. You didn't seek first the kingdom. And then you end up borderline ticked off at God because you're just sitting there going, why is all this crap happening to me? And in reality, if you'd have just taken a moment, taken a step back, focused on the main thing, made the main thing of your life the main thing of your life, as Christians, Jesus Christ should be the main thing of your life. If you made the main thing the main thing when you woke up in the morning, all these little things wouldn't have bothered you in the first place. And so you're angry at God about something that could have been fixed because you decided instead of focusing on Jesus, you wanted to focus on your needs first and foremost. And so when everything else starts pelting you, it takes on more and more on your shoulders. See, because when we give things over to Christ and we make Jesus Christ the main thing, he takes the burden, he takes the load off our shoulders in the first place. If I had a dollar for every single time I allowed my circumstances affect my mood, specifically my mood towards God and my relationship towards God, I probably wouldn't have to worry about money anymore. I can't count how many times I've worried about things so much that it's affected my mood. And if I had just stopped, taking a second, made the main thing the main thing, everything would have been fine. It wouldn't have bothered me nearly as much. That's not okay. I'm saying that I've struggled with it and it's happened to me, but I'm not saying that it's okay. I don't like that I tend to focus on things other than Christ and it ends up stressing me out. It's not okay that we do that. But we are going to do it. And so if you have been that way today and, and uh, you've just been burdened and you didn't take the time to focus on Christ and, and the day's just been war- just wearing you down, just take the time to make the main thing the main thing. Because when I need to take a step back and I just ask myself, am I seeking worldly things? Or am I seeking first the kingdom? More often than not with the things that stress me out to the point where I'm almost mad at God, that's when I'm seeking things of myself or seeking things of the world. When I'm truly seeking after things of Christ and I'm truly seeking after things of God, I'm not stressed out to the point where I'm mad at God. More often than not when I get mad at God, it's because I'm seeking myself first more often than not. God never promised us things would be easy. God never promised us we'd be wealthy. God never promised us that we would have a nice car that has GPS and Sirius XM radio and backup cameras and gets 500 miles per gallon. And God never said we would have all of these luxuries in life. Now, you might get those luxuries in life. I'm not saying having those luxuries in life is a sin or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if that's where your happiness comes from, you've got a problem. We're not supposed to worry about those things. And if we think about it this way, and this is something that Manny kind of said, I took my own take on it. In Scripture, when it says not to worry about something, it means in our life you're probably going to have a reason to worry about it. But God's still saying don't worry about these things. Many said it a little different way, and I'll share it with you how he said it in a minute, but when God's telling us not to worry about something, it means that in our life there's something there to worry about. And God's still saying don't worry about it because he's in control. And we're not worrying not because we can handle it, but because he can handle it. We can't waste our valuable time, and yes, your time is valuable. You cannot waste your valuable time worrying about those things. because on our retreat this weekend, and the way Manny worded it was, when God says, do not be afraid, it means there's something you should be afraid of. But God says, do not be afraid because I am with you. And so if we apply that to this, it says, do not worry, means there's something to worry about. But God's saying, do not worry because I am with you. Maybe I have something more important for you. Maybe I'm going to handle it. Maybe I'm going to get you something even better than you thought you deserved. Do not worry Romans one sixteen uh, Romans one starting in verse sixteen is going to be our scripture for tonight Romans one sixteen starts with, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm going to read that again, for I am not ashamed of the gospel." because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. If we're living by faith, we're not worrying about the same things that the world worries about. When we're truly living by faith, The things that come and and seem like it's going to take us off track in our lives don't seem to bother us the same way as they used to. Because we know that God has it. See, we don't have faith in the same things that the world has faith in. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. The world's faith is in money, relationships, sex, drugs, alcohol. Their faith is in that to make them happy. They're looking forward to Friday night because they can go just have a beer and take an edge off. We should be looking forward as Christians to the next thing that God's got in store for us. The next time we're, God's going to give us a new piece of truth, a new piece of information that's just going to revolutionize our walk with him. We should be seeking out God. We should be seeking out God the same way the world seeks after money. Because in the world, and specifically here in America, we're told from a tiny, tiny little age that if you have enough money in life, and even if we're not told directly, we're told by people's actions that if you have enough money, everything in life is going to be okay. That is our worldview. We have to approach the gospel without that worldview. Because God calls us to live by faith. See, when you got a problem... And something in your life is just beating you up or, uh, maybe you're having a, maybe the problem isn't necessarily, um, against you. Maybe it's, it's not necessarily life's beating you up, but maybe you're having a problem stepping out in faith more. Maybe you're having a problem taking the next step and sharing the gospel more. Maybe you're having a problem with, you know, uh, who you should be talking to about Jesus. Maybe you're having a problem just hearing from God. The 12-step tel- the, the program in Scripture simply says the righteous will live by faith. You need a 12-step program to get closer to God? The righteous will live by faith. You need a 12-step program to make your life happier? The righteous will live by faith. You need a 12-step program to hearing from God more? The righteous will live by faith. And I know that sounds simple, And I know that underneath that, it can be more complicated. But what I'm saying is when we truly elevate our faith to the level that God's calling us to, man, we just know that God's got our back and that God's going to guide us. God's going to have it covered. You don't feel close to God? Start working at getting closer to God in faith that the things that you do are going to get you closer to Him. Does that make sense? So if you're feeling like you're not close to God, have faith that going and spending time in prayer that God's going to meet you. If you're struggling with God, have faith that going to the retreat is God's going to meet you there. If you feel distant from God, have faith that coming to Kai Alpha on a Tuesday night, you might hear a new piece of information that's just going to help in your walk. If you're struggling with your week, have faith that if you text your small group leader, they're going to meet you and have a conversation with you that's going to uplift you. Or, even bigger, if you're struggling with with hearing from God, have faith that the very next time you approach your prayer closet, God's going to meet you and He's going to talk to you. Don't approach your prayer closet like God's going to shun you away and He's going to keep ignoring you. Have faith that He's going to meet you there. (laughs) Because a lot of times, our own doubt prevents us from hearing from God, even though He has something, He's screaming at us. We need to live by faith in our relationship with Christ. So say, World Mission Summit, yes, I consider it important. Yes, I talk a lot about it. But for real, if the reason you don't want to go to World Mission Summit or you don't think you can go to World Mission Summit is because you don't think you can afford it, have faith that God's going to come through, and if he wants you to go, he's going to have you go. So in the meantime, behave as if God's taking care of it. And if the time comes and you end up not being able to go and you have to back out, that's fine. But have faith, live like it, act like it, sign up on a sign-up sheet, start doing things to get you to go. Have faith that God's going to come up with the money. If you're worried that the World Mission Summit isn't going to necessarily bring you closer to God, approach it with the mindset that you have the faith that it will. Yes, like I said, I consider the World Mission Summit important. You can tell. There's a reason why I consider it important. There's a reason why we talk about it all all the time. It's important. But if God doesn't want you to go, have faith that he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure you don't go. And the same, on the opposite sense. And so act like you're going to go. And <laughs> I, I worded that horribly, but verse 21, picking up where we, not picking up where we left off, skip a little bit down to verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. I'm going to read verse 21 again. For although they knew God, I estimate the vast majority of you guys know God. For though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They knew God. They didn't glorify Him, and they didn't give thanks to Him. And I think this applies more than just with our words. I think it applies to our actions. With your actions, are you glorifying God, and are you giving thanks to Him? Are you making the most of every opportunity you have? I've shared before, while you guys are at college, you will never have another opportunity like you have here while you're in college to share the gospel with thousands of people who are the same age as you and are willing to engage in that conversation, who live 100 feet away from you, uh, football field away from you, maybe, I don't know how far Edna is away, 400 yards away from you. There's thousands of people congregating on this campus. You will never have another opportunity like you will to share the gospel as you do on this campus. So are you taking advantage of that? of every opportunity to glorify God and to give thanks to Him. Verse 22, Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, And exchanged the glory of the moral God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. For us, our worldview, our idols are going to look different than the worldview and idols back then our worldviews and our idols are going to be more like our phones, Facebook, Netflix, Twitter, I don't know, Periscope. What's the picture one? Instagram, Uh, football, sports. Um, you You get what I'm saying? Our idols are going to look different than their idols did back then. And so I'm going to read that again, keeping that in mind. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Or let's read it like this. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for their cell phones. Exchanged the glory of the immortal God for Facebook, for football, for golf, for a relationship for a job, for a college degree, for fun. Out of everything I've said today, this part can be the scariest part. Because it challenges us to take a look at our salvation in Jesus Christ and what we know about Jesus and what we believe about Jesus and take it from just being in your head and applying it to your life. It's saying you can't just know God but live like everybody else in this earth. Because if you do, you're going to have a bad day. And so to bring this around a little bit to what we learned at the retreat, we need to be very careful to make sure that our traditions, just because we're Americans, don't supersede Scripture in our lives. Don't supersede Jesus Christ in our lives. Traditions of being American... Man, football, um, pride, America, growing up in America, we're taught to be proud of your country, to do these things and, and, and to live in a way that you're proud of what you grew up with and what your, country, you know, what you, uh, what your childhood was like, what your state was, um, where you lived, to be proud, be proud of your high school, be proud of your college. Be prou- pride is, is not a godly thing, no matter how we look at it. So, in just this circumstance, and I'm just speaking of one instance, if our worldview, which teaches us to be proud of our country, proud of our state, proud of where we lived, proud of our high school, proud of our college, um, proud of our upbringing, is not congruent with the Bible, we need to take the weight of of that pride off of our shoulders and approach Scripture with a different outlook. Because, I mean, if you think about it this way, According to Jesus Christ, there was no home in a broad mission field; the world was the mission field. He didn't pledge his allegiance to Rome. And so, if we approach that we approach our lives with that same uh, idea, are you really going to be that stressed out about who's going to be the next president? For real. If who you if if who the next president's going to be is stressing you out so much that it's affecting your walk with Christ, it's probably not of God. And I'm not and I'm not going to talk either way in the election. I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, be political up here from the pulpit. I have my opinions on the election. But I don't think it's going to affect America in the way that a lot of Christians are putting their money and their time and their, their mouth there. I really don't think it's going to affect it. I really honestly think it is just representative of the heart of America already. And that's scary. But at the same time, you know, it's for me, it's job security. There's a lot of people that need to hear about Jesus. My job is to share about Jesus. As Christians, is job security? Jesus has told you go out and make disciples. There's a lot of people in this country now that need to be made into disciples. Slim Pickens. or it's not Slim Pickins. There we go. So I'm going to take a moment. I want you to answer these questions honestly, for real. Just be real to yourself. Don't lie. Don't cover it. Don't sugarcoat it. Take, I'm going to take this question, or I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I want you to answer them honestly. Are you here at Chi Alpha tonight because you want to be? Or are you here because of a belief that you think you need to be here? Or an obligation to mom and dad to be here? Do you go to small group because you want to? Or do you go because you think there's some sort of obligation to go? Do you want to share the Gospels with others because you love them? Or because you want to convert them for yourself to make yourself feel better and to make yourself a bigger a better Christian? Do you truly love the people that you're around every day? Do you love your classmates that aren't Christians, that don't live like Christians, that go out and get trashed and come home and wake you up at 3 in the morning um, on the night where you have a final the next day? Do you love that person? So do you want to share the gospel with them because you love them, or because you just want to put a notch on your belt of how many people you've converted to Christ. See, the gospel is telling us you should be here to learn more about Jesus Christ. You should go to your small group to learn more about Jesus Christ. You should meet with your small group leader one-on-one to learn more about Jesus Christ and grow in Christ. You should want to do these things to get closer to God, not because of some sort of obligation. And at the same time, We should share the gospel because we care about and we love others, not just to make ourselves look like better Christians. And so if you don't, and and I'm not saying that if you don't want to be here, it's okay to get up and leave or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we need to start applying that to our worldview because that's Scripture, that's Jesus. We need to take that and apply it to our worldview. So when we come here, we should come here with the faith that we're going to grow closer to God. When you go to your small group, you should go with the faith like you're going to grow closer to God. When you go to a one-on-one or a a meeting with a a good Christian that um, you want to learn from, you should go with the faith like you're going to learn more. And that should excite you. And when you're sharing the gospel to somebody, you should do it because you truly care about them, not because of some sort of obligation. Our love, Scripture tells us that our love should compel us to do this stuff. And if it doesn't compel you to do this stuff, then we need to start approaching our worldview a little bit differently. And like I said, if if it's tough to come here sometimes, I'm not saying don't come. Still come, but have the faith uh, in the approach. Keep the main thing the main thing. Because so I stand up here and preach to you guys and share the gospel and I spend hours hours uh studying and, and coming up with sermons and I haven't had a day off in three weeks. I don't do it because I have a strong work ethic. I, I honestly really am and upset that I haven't had a Sabbath day in three weeks. Because I really strongly believe in Sabbath and, and taking a day every single week and resting and truly resting. Not pretending that you're resting and actually doing work, just a different kind of work. I mean, I really do believe in taking a Sabbath day and taking a day for yourself and enjoying it and enjoying it. And so the fact that I've worked three weeks in a row isn't because I'm some sort of, of workaholic or anything like that. It's because there's been opportunities that have been coming up. We went on retreat, we got a chance to go and and minister after a corn concert. Um that was just last week. Feels like it's been a month ago. Um I don't know, I don't even remember what was before that anymore. But the well, we had we had a big night at the well this last Thursday with um, spiritual warfare, and did a lot of studying and a lot of uh, um, praying about that. And then, so working like I do isn't because of some sort of obligation to Kai Alpha or some sort of obligation to you guys. It's truly because I love Jesus, this is something that Jesus asked me to do, and I love and I care about you guys. I truly do want to see every single one of you, even if I don't personally know you, I want to see you grow in Christ this year. I want to see you at the end of the year at a place you didn't even fathom you could be in your relationship with God. I truly do care about every single one of you guys. And when you guys succeed, I'm right there behind you cheering you on. And when you fail and and something goes wrong, I'm standing there just waiting for you to come and talk to me so that I can console you and and hurt with you. Christ has challenged me and my wife to be there with you guys, to share your guys' yoke, and to encourage you to share your yoke with Jesus Christ. And ultimately, Jesus, not us. But you get what I'm saying. So, if for any moment it seems like you're just kind of going through the motions, seems like you're just you're here because you're here. It's because it's what you do on Tuesdays. You know, you're at church on Sunday because it's what you do on Sundays. Maybe you're at your small group because it's just what you do. Whenever you feel like you're just going through the motions, I want to challenge you to take a step back and to try to remember first and foremost what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us and then try to remember back, remember back and think about the impact that Jesus has had on your life I mean I've, I've known Jesus for a short while compared to a lot of my other colleagues in ministry but the impact that Jesus Christ has had on my life is, is profound um, to be completely honest with you guys I, I haven't shared my testimony in a while here but the way I was living my life before I was a Christian, I truly 100% am honest with you guys. I do not believe I would be alive standing here in front of you today to share about Jesus Christ. I truly believe that Jesus Christ saved my life. And so the impact that Jesus had on my life, if ever I feel like I'm going through the motions, and I feel like why am I sharing the gospel with you guys? Why have I worked for three weeks straight? Why have I done this stuff? Man, it's because Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross and what He's done for my life, I love Him so much that I can't not share the gospel with you guys. I can't not be here to teach you guys. Because what if this Tuesday is the Tuesday where you truly give your life over to Christ? What if this Tuesday is the Tuesday where you all of a sudden just get inspired and you realize that your relationship with Christ isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it is truly giving your life over to Christ? What if this is the week where your relationship with Christ goes from just being at church on Sunday and just being at Kai Alpha on Tuesday to you actually starting to read your Bible on your own time and pray on your own time because of maybe something that God gave me in a sermon and just for some reason it stuck with you even though maybe it wasn't even the main point of my sermon. So why am I here on a Tuesday when I've been stressed? I've been, I'm, I'm at the edge. I think I even cried today because of stress. So why am I here? I mean, I I only say that because I, I truly believe in being vulnerable with you guys. It's been a rough few weeks, and I do need a day off. But yet I'm still encouraged, and I'm still ready to be here, because when you guys start showing up, and I start preaching, and I can see something light in your eyes, and you write something down, or, You know, I just see your faces and just hope that maybe there's something in this sermon that you're going to catch. And so my love for you and my love for Jesus comes through and takes over. And then all of a sudden, just like that, it's no longer stressful. I'm no longer burdened. I'm free. The weight I was holding on my shoulders at at 1 o'clock this afternoon is gone. Because Jesus Christ is sharing the yoke. And Jesus Christ is taking the burdens off my shoulders and allowing me to be here and be able to communicate with you guys clearly. It's out of love, pure and simple. Our love for Jesus, our love for God, and our love for one another. And Jesus Christ makes it very, very, very simple and very, very clear in Scripture. What are the most important two commands? To love God and to love your neighbor. It's love. The basics are love. The basics are Jesus Christ loved us so much, he gave his life for us. He loved us so much, he he bridged the, the gap between us to God. He loved us so much that he asks us to go around and share with others about his story and what he did for us. And we then love others so much that we do that. And I'm talking, we need to get back to the basics of Christianity. Sometimes the Sunday school answer is the best answer because it is the best answer. Sometimes it is that simple. You're struggling? Have you prayed? Have you read your Bible? Have you put on the armor of God? I know it's a Sunday school answer, but for real, a lot of times that's the the best answer. We need to get back to the basics. And I'm talking the book of John the four Gospels, the, the book of Acts kind of basics. Not focusing on, on laws and, and who did this and who did that. We need to love people. We need to stop telling people what they're doing wrong so much, and we need to love them. Because if someone would have came up to me and called me out for being an alcoholic, before I gave my life to Christ and told me, hey, you can't come to church because you're an alcoholic, or you're a horrible person because you're an alcoholic. or and, and there was many other sins I was committing at the time, but I'm just focusing on this one just for the sake of argument. If somebody came up to me and was calling out my sins to my face, do you think I would have came to Christ? you think I would have came to Chi Alpha if that person was in Chi Alpha? No. But what happened was people loved me. Jesus Christ transformed me and then Scripture, and what Jesus did in my life, and what God tells me, I apply to my life. And I now know that being a drunkard is a sin. But if somebody would have called that out to my face, I would have never came to Christ. And so, our job isn't to fix people. It is to love people, exactly. Your job isn't to fix yourself. Your job isn't to fix others. Your job is to love people. And let's be honest in here, you need to love yourself too. God loves you. Jesus loves you. If you don't like yourself and you don't love yourself, you're saying that God's love isn't right. So tonight and the the rest of this week, I want you to ask yourself this. Two questions. And I want you to repeat repeatedly write it down, write it on your phone, set an alarm for tomorrow at noon, and ask yourself this question. Two questions. Two questions are, how good of an American are you? And how good of a Christian are you being today? Or better yet, let's put it this way. How good of an American Christian are you? And how good of a Christian are you? And then the answer to how good of a Christian are you or a sub-question is, how much do you love Jesus today? And how much are you showing it? Because really when we get down to the basics and we we stop and think about our faith and we look at it realistically, we look at Scripture realistically and we look at the life of Jesus Christ and what He did for us and we look at how much, honestly when we look at how Scripture talks about Jesus, it's hard not to fall in love with Him. And then when you stop and you look at Scripture and you look at Jesus' words and you look at, not even necessarily His words, let's just let's go a step further and say His actions. When we look at Jesus' actions, it becomes painfully obvious how much Jesus Christ loved you, loved us. And so our job is to take what we see about Jesus Christ and to somehow share that love, share what we saw, what Jesus did for us, share what Jesus was and who He is to somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet. Somehow. And we need to lean on God in order to do that in the first place. And so in my opinion, and what this all comes down to is, what it really comes down to our entire faith, our entire walk with Christ, our point of existence on this earth from now on is simply wrapped up in this. Jesus Christ loved us so much. He died for us on the cross to to take the burdens off our shoulders, the, the sins out of our lives, to make us new. And then He asked us to go and share that with others, to make disciples. That really is, in my opinion, if I could preach, I preached a few weeks ago on the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you can sum up the gospel in just a short little way, that's how you would do it. That is what Jesus was. Jesus was love. Now, the thing is, Jesus was love. And God's love is Different than how we can even fathom love. And so when we think about love and hate, and we think about the things that are love and the things that aren't love, when we take our worldview and we apply our worldview to what love is, it taints Jesus' love for us. But when we take our worldview off of the picture and we stop and we look and we say, What is the greater truth? we can see Jesus' love for what it truly was. And what Jesus' love was, was that I know you've screwed up. It doesn't matter how bad you've screwed up. I mean, Scripture, uh, literally murder was forgivable. doesn't matter how bad you've screwed up. I still love you so much, I'm dying for you, and I'm covering your sins. That's what it comes down to. And so how do we as Christians share that with others? We have to find a way, we have to fight, we have to scrap, we have to do everything it takes to take care of every opportunity we have to love others the exact same way, somehow, some way, and then share with them about how much Jesus Christ loves, about, loves them. And a lot of times it doesn't look like American Christianity. Everybody bow your heads. Tonight I'm going to do a quick um, salvation call and and a a quick prayer call. And basically what I'm doing is, um, if you don't know Jesus Christ, or maybe the Jesus Christ that I know that I'm talking about isn't the Jesus Christ that you know. Maybe the way that you were taught who Jesus was looked vastly different. Or maybe in your life Jesus has always just been a get-out-of-jail-free card. Or maybe church has just been something you do. Jesus was just something you did. And you've never had an intimate relationship and you've never really truly given your life to Christ and you've never truly understood how much Jesus Christ loves you. And tonight you're saying, I want to make that declaration. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to accept how much he loves me. If that's you tonight, I just want you to simply raise your hand. It really is as simple as that. And the reason it's as simple as that is because it's a first step. It's the first step in your your walk and getting closer to Christ. And so if that's you and, and your relationship with Jesus hasn't exactly been uh, the relationship that I'm explaining, just raise your hand. That's all you got to do. And so then the next part is if you've been living under the burden of your worldview and your walk with Jesus Christ has been rough lately. Maybe it wasn't always this rough. Maybe it just started getting that way when you came to college or maybe it started getting that way once you started getting busy with class and life and work and, and whatever else is, is weighing you down. And tonight you're just saying, I want to get back to the basics of what Jesus Christ is and what who he is and what he has done for me. If that's you tonight, just raise your hand. I see your hands. And so, tonight at the same time, you can put your hands down. If you have given your life to Christ before, you've been a Christian and maybe you've walked away or maybe the, the world, your worldviews, brought you farther away from Jesus. And tonight you're saying, I want to do over. I want to start fresh. I want to love Jesus uh, like I used to. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay, I see your hands. So tonight just, I want you to, to say the words that I'm saying right after me. And there's nothing significant about this prayer. There's nothing super special about this prayer, anything like that. It's what this prayer truly means to you. And so make this prayer yours. Make it your heart. Make it what you mean. Make it what you want to say to Jesus Christ. It's not going to fix everything in your life, but it's going to help you take a step in the right direction. So repeat after me. Jesus I accept what you did on the cross. I see how much you love me. And I want to love others the same. Lord, would you help me to love you more? And would you help me to love others? And would you help me to love myself? I accept that you died on the cross and that you rose again and you did that to cover my sins. So I live for you now. My life is yours. Have your way with it. In your name I pray. Amen. Like I said, there's nothing significant about that prayer. It's not like that prayer is written in the Bible and I have you repeat it because there's something special about it or anything like that. It's just make it your own and make it meaningful to you. And the reason we kind of go through that prayer is because sometimes people who are struggling or people who are giving their life to Christ for the first time or rededicating their life for the first time, sometimes they just don't know how to pray. And so it's just a simple step and it's just a simple prayer and that doesn't mean you have to pray like that every time you pray or anything like that. It's just a step in the right direction. Make it yours, make it your own. And then this week, don't live under the burden of school. Don't live under under the burden of stress. Um man, I know school starts ramping up right now cuz you're getting ready to hit midterms. Stuff kind of gets hectic and all of that. Don't don't let it stress you out. Don't live under that burden give that burden over to Jesus Christ and, and live free in his love and in and, and his sacrifice this week and in the next couple weeks. Um, I'm going to take a day off tomorrow and uh, play some video games. No. um, What? Nerd? Hey. If... Yeah, I was going to explain a video game, and it just made me realize that it, it sounds very nerdy. So. so tonight, when you guys leave here, man, uh, this is something that I, I've done before, and it's always helped me. It's like, imagine that there's a barrier on the doors here. There's a barrier that's just like an invisible wall, uh, you know, a force field, nerd term. But there, there's an invisible wall there that you can't see. But as you walk through it, the burdens and the stress of your life, the 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 midterms, the the grade that you have that's really low and you need to get higher, the the boy that won't call you back or the the girl that shuts you down because you're a nerd. Or uh, by the way, you can beat the friend friend zone. I speak from experience. So the friend that doesn't want to be more than friends, or or the guy that keeps wanting you to to, to Push further in your boundaries than you're ready to do. Um, man, the, the money you don't have, the stress of raising money for old Mitch. So I don't, whatever it is, whatever that stress is, think about it right now. Picture it in your mind. What is that stress, that number one stress that is just taking you down? Imagine that one stress. And as you walk through the doors to leave here, to go to McDonald's, hang out, or if you're going to go to your dorm room and be lame, go do that. But as you walk through that door, imagine that it doesn't come with you. Like visually image it, imagine it as you walk through that door. Sometimes actually taking a physical step helps you to to get rid of that burden. So as you guys leave here, I know it sounds stupid and it sounds cheesy and it sounds weird, but just try it. And so as you leave here, you're not allowed to stress about it. And if you stress about it, I'm going to slap you. Okay? You guys all agree? Yes. Okay. Help clean up sound crew. Um, hang on. I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to do the meme thing. But go to McDonald's. Come hang out. Don't stress for f- half an hour to an hour, however long you want to take. Come to McDonald's. Seriously. Seriously, come to McDonald's and hang out with us. Um, if you've got homework, your homework will get done. Come to McDonald's. Hang out and fellowship. It is important. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to get back to the basics with our walk with you. Um, Lord, I just pray for these students right here as they go out and they're starting to, to ramp up. The semester's starting to get tough. Things in their life's getting stressful. Their job um, isn't paying enough money. Whatever their problem is, Lord, I pray for them right now that they would no longer hold that baggage, that it would be something that doesn't stress them out, that it is a problem that they do need to solve, but it doesn't need to weigh them down. And so, Lord, that I just pray that you would have your way in their lives and that you would give them the, the grace and the love and the the affection that they need in order to get rid of that baggage. Lord, that you would show them how much you love them this week and that you would make it clear how much you love them. And so that, that, that baggage that they were holding is no longer weighing them down. Lord, I thank you for every single student that's in here, even the ones that I don't know personally. Um, I pray for them and that this week they can grow closer to you and uh, ultimately um, serve you, and it's for your glory. So, in your name, we pray. Amen.